Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And today we're going to look at the mindset because what you didn't see in the video that didn't come up was um, that when you get lost, you need to just stop, chill out, and go to higher ground, see if you can see what's around you, and then make a plan and go towards where you see civilization or anything that looks like people or houses. Um, but the main thing in survival is the mind, the mindset. And that's what we're going to deal with today, basic survival and the mindset. Now, Philippians, in a nutshell, the author is the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote to the church at uh, Philippi. And the location, he wrote this most likely from Rome written somewhere around 62 A.D. And the main point, the main purpose of why the Apostle Paul wrote this is a challenge to the church at Philippi to live as citizens of heaven. And he makes a point of noting this in 320 when he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so, brothers and sisters, as we live this Christian life, the challenge for us is to be reminded of the fact that we are citizens of heaven, that our citizenship ultimately resides in the kingdom of God. Now, what Paul says today is send prayers to God. This may be an oversimplification, but let's look at what he writes. Do not be anxious about anything. In the words do not be anxious, marneo means to be worried or to be consumed by something. So in other words, when situations come in our lives, they can make us anxious. They can cause us to worry. I like what Gordon Fee said in his commentary. Apprehension and fear mark the life of the unbelieving, the untrusting. For when the present is all there is, and for whom the present is so uncertain, or for many so filled with distress and suffering, as in the case of those at Philippi. We can let situations and circumstances in our lives grip us. We see a, search, uh, a situation or circumstance come against us, and all of a sudden, all different kinds of scenarios play in our mind, right? How could this possibly come out? What, and we just let our mind go crazy, right? Right? I know, men, it's all of us. We see a situation, all of a sudden, we've got four or five different scenarios playing out how this could possibly work out. And I would venture to say that uh, we, we could solve a lot of our problems if we just stopped. Just stop. Now, there are physical effects of anxiety. One is lack of sleep, right? You've got this situation going on in your life. You go to bed, and what do you do? You spend most of the night tossing and turning about this situation. Well, the second leads to depression. You, you become depressed when you look at these situations and circumstances that, that come against you. A third thing that happens is you, you don't eat. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm just too worked up to try to eat, and you lose, kind of lose your appetite, and then you wind up getting stomach problems. 
and you could wind up giving yourself an ulcer worried about the situations and circumstances that you are confronted with. When a situation comes against you, and you've had it, whether it's on a text or whether something happens at work or any other thing that, that, that comes across, immediately you are gripped with, uh-oh, I am immediately gripped with fear. What? And the, the, the big thing here, which I did not read it, did not include it in the scriptures, but I want to refer to it now. Why should we not let ourselves live in this area? Why should we not allow ourselves to be gripped with fear, to be up all night, to be pacing the floors, to uh, lose sleep, to not eat, to get stomach problems? Why shouldn't we do that? Well, the simple solution is in the words just before, do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And that word at hand means near. I want to remind us this morning that in each and every situation in life, the Lord is near to you and to me. Do not be anxious is a command that the Apostle Paul expects to play out in the lives of his followers, Christ's followers. That we're not to let the circumstances and situations in our lives become so overwhelming that they tax us and keep us from even being able to live or to function. This is not the way God intended. In fact, unbelievers definitely live that way because they have no anchor, right? There is no anchor in their life that they can go to and, and cling to in times of trouble. So, of course, the, the lost world is going to handle it much differently than we do. When you are confronted with a situation and you are tempted to be anxious about it, to become burdened. By the way, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When that situation comes upon you and you sense the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the uncertainty, Paul gives us the solution immediately. Do not be anxious. But in case you become anxious, I'm going to give you a solution to anxiety. Now notice what he writes. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In everything refers to all the situations in life. All the situations in life. And it, can, it basically means everything that happens to you in this life. But he says, but instead of freaking out, instead of going anxiety wild, and in, instead of having scenarios run through your mind and losing sleep, this is how you're to confront anxiety. This is how you do it. You deal with it by prayer. To speak to God or ask God for something. Prosuke, that's the basic meaning of the word prayer. We have overcomplicated prayer. Uh, we, we, we think there's this big, long ritual you got to go through. No, you know what prayer is? Prayer is simply talking to God. 
It doesn't need to be complicated. You just turn to him no matter where you are, particularly with that situation. As soon as the situation comes up to you, the response to cut off the anxiety is to go to God in prayer. The second word mentioned here is the word supplication. To ask with urgency based upon a presumed need. So what I love what Paul's doing here masterfully. He's layering this. So when, when a circumstance comes against you, immediately don't call your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. Don't do that first. Don't say, you know, I'm having such a hard time. That's fine. You can do it. But you don't do that first. What you do first is you drop and with urgency, you tell God, God, this is the situation that I'm going through. This is the this is the this is what I need, Lord. This is I, I need an answer to this. And, and, and you beg God for an answer. That's what supplication is to ask with urgency. So when that circumstance comes upon you, what you have done at that point is you have removed yourself from the anxiety and you have started speaking to the one who can carry the anxiety. There's a transfer taking place. Paul says you don't live here and this is how you don't live here. When that circumstance or situation burdens you down, the first thing you're to do is drop or just pray it out loud however you want. You go to the Father urgently and you say, Lord, I need something done in this situation. You are giving the circumstance and the situation to God. However, Paul mentions a third thing. Just talk to God. By the way, God knows you, knows everything about you, saved you, redeemed you, paid for you with the blood of Christ. And then ask with urgency. The Apostle Paul said, come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find help in time of need. We're not supposed to go timidly, boldly, and you speak to God and say, God, this is urgent. Please do something. But he also says, to express thankfulness. To express thanks or offered words of gratefulness to God. So many times we go to God. You know, this is what's so mind-boggling. Is that we're allowed to go to God by the blood of Jesus Christ who helps us pass into his presence. And yet, oftentimes, we get so consumed with what we need that we forget to thank him. Paul says, I want you to pray. I want you to uh, talk to God urgently about the situation. But this is what I also want you to do. I also want you to thank him and to give him praise and honor and glory. Paul goes on to say, let your request be made known to God. Ikema, and that's the word request means to ask. Then be made known is ganorizo, ganorizo, which means to cause information to be known. I like what Howard Voss said in his commentary. Even though he is all-knowing, he has directed that we remind him of specific needs. 
then we shall receive specific answers. We shall be blessed in seeing specific answers to specific, specific prayers, and he will be glorified as we count the many blessings. Now, you go to God. The immediate circumstance caused you, however you want to pray, you, you go to God, you speak urgently. And you let him know, Lord, this is the circumstance or this is the situation that I find myself in. Not so that you can say, hey, God, I, I know you're busy, but you might have missed this one. No, 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 he's right. God already knows. But he wants us to tell him so that when he answers it, we can say definitively, God did that. God did that. God doesn't, you know, there's nothing that, that you can't tell God that he doesn't already know because he saved you. He redeemed you. He knows everything about you. But God does want us to tell him exactly what we need. When was the last time you were specific with God? Not kind of general like, Lord, pray for the world. That's fine. But, Lord, this is a situation I got going on at work, and I need help with it. Father, can you intervene here, and can you help me in this specific situation? And when and if God answers that prayer, you will be able to go, you know what? I remember that day that I prayed to God, and he answered it. It wasn't a generic prayer. Give God specifics about your circumstance and situation, even though he already knows it. He already knows it. You are never out of the realm of God's grace. You are never out of the realm of God's grace. You are never out of the realm of his presence. He is always with you. So let your request be made known to God. Let's review here. Send, off, send prayers to God. Don't be anxious, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Well, if that happens, you will receive something from God. Now notice what he writes here. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. The word peace here is arene, which means favorable circumstances. Listen to this. Favorable circumstances involving peace and tranquility. Now, the question is immediately brought up, at least I did in my sermon. I wrote it right here. So does that mean that God changes the circumstances? If, Paul says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, the word peace means favorable circumstances stances involving peace and tranquility, does that mean that God will change the circumstance in my favor? Sometimes, praise be to God, he does that, right? <laughs> Some, sometimes he does change it. Other times... He does not. 
Other times, he will not change that circumstance. He will not change that situation. So then in, 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 in those times, if we have prayed to God and we have told him specifically what we need, he may not change it at the moment or anywhere down the road, but what he might do is that he might give us tranquility in our hearts to know that he has got it. That's where the separation from anxiety and peace takes place, is to know that when I give it to him, I can truly relax from that point on. You know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So here you have, uh, actually, this is what the theological dictionary of the New Testament says. This word peace means a state of peace. Have you ever seen two, the two sides of this? Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay. I see that going on. I see that going on. But I've got peace. Where does that peace come? What's the difference from the person that freaks out to the person that isn't freaking out? Well, the difference probably is this person over here went to everybody except God to try to get the circumstance or situation changed. This person probably immediately went to God and said, Lord, this is it. I need to give it to you. And in place of that, God says, you know what? Incoming, here's some peace. So that you have tranquility knowing that you've given it to God. Now, there's sometimes you... You give, a, you give a prayer request to, a, to a, a, a friend or maybe a family member, and they may pray two or three days. Uh, and th- I've actually had this happen to me too, um, where somebody has brought me a prayer request, life gets complicated, and then I miss a day or two not praying for them. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you give your prayer request to God, He is on it. He is taking care of the situation. He has not forgotten. He has not forgotten where you are. And instead of that, he will give you peace. The situation may not change. Richard Mellick said this. He did not envision a situation where it would change or external needs were met. The peace was a characteristic, I love this, characteristic of God which invaded the Christian. It is a peace when when God knows that we're serious and we go to him and we say, Lord, this is too big for me. You know this situation. I am going to give this to you. God goes, you know what? I am going to invade you with my perfect peace. Where you can stand there and you go, okay. Now, that happens a lot with us, right? When we get in situations and circumstances, okay. (laughs) remember you're in church you shouldn't lie to God now right Um, you have this situation here and then he goes on to add which surpasses and that's Hooprook that's that's an interesting name Hooprook we got the, the March Madness going on and that word refers to something of external value Let me ask you a question. How do you put a price tag on God 
giving you tranquility in your soul. How do you put a price tag on it? And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, noose, or way of thinking. Now this word, psychological faculty, this word means a variety of things. First of all, just a simple understanding. Um, it surpasses all understanding. We can't fathom what God has done. It, it's too difficult for us to understand completely. Ability to reason. When it says it is surpass all human understanding, if you want to put it that way, the ability to reason. It also refers to a way of thinking. And more importantly, I think, the last meaning of this word, which I think is probably the most accurate right here, is the word mental impression. So the peace of God surpasses all knowledge, all reason, all way of thinking. You can't possibly give me that. But what happens here is there is a change taking place. Let, let, me, let me give you an example this morning. How many of you see the old lady here? Right here? You see her mouth? How many of you see the young girl? You see the young girl? How many of you see the old lady? How many of you cannot see the young girl? Okay, good. You got it. It's a way of looking at things is what Paul is driving at here. You can look at circumstances and situations like this apart from the peace of God. But when you have the peace of God, you see this circumstance because God is in the midst of carrying that burden for you so that you know no matter what happens in your life, God is going to take care of it and you can, you can have peace. And now you can just go home you can go to bed, you can get a good night's sleep, you can wake up, you can eat tomorrow, and you can be perfectly fine. Instead of having stomach aches, going to the doctor, uh, having him put you on medication, you can do that because you have the peace of God. Wow. God doesn't always change. Listen to this. Prayer is not meant to change God. Prayer is meant to change you. God doesn't always change our circumstances, but his peace changes the way that we look at the situation or circumstance. Show me a person that is freaking out over a circumstance and they just get so bogged down, worried, and I'll show you a person that's probably not taking this to God. Now, I get it. Some circumstances are really bad, but I'm just going to say my God is really good. As bad as the circumstance can get is as good as my God is. And there's not one thing that can come against me that God hasn't allowed to happen but knowing this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ, no matter what the circumstances. We can rest in that knowledge. His promise is that he will grant us peace. 
<clears throat> peace that surpasses what I can think, how I feel, all of that. But he also gives us protection. He also gives us protection and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard here, fruthro, fruthro, to guard against something, it's an idiom, it's an expression, and it is a military term. Richard Mellick, again, guard is a military term implying that the peace stands on duty to keep anything that brings anxiety in. So in other words, the peace of God, when we have it and we've received it and we don't lay it down and walk away from it and have to go back and get it again, when the peace of God is in our hearts, it stands guard. He's right. Absolutely right. It stands on duty to keep anything out that might cause us anxiety, fear, or trouble. These soldiers are on guard. And I want you to think of this as peace, God's peace. It stands on guard. Circumstance, situation comes against you. Nope. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to give it to God. But I'm going to let the peace of God stand watch over me. I'm going to let the peace of God guard my life. I am not going to be anxious. I am not going to be fearful. I am simply going to tell God about the circumstance and situation. And then... Baby, I'm going to give it to him and let him take it. Because I don't want it. And I know the temptation for all of us is we pray it one day and the next day we wake up and there it is again. So what you do is you repeat this process and you go back to God and you say, God, I'm anxious again. Give me your peace. And that's how you protect your heart. That's how you protect your 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 mind, your attitude, and in fact, in fact, he goes on and says it here. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The heart, cardia, that's not your physical heart. I want you to understand that. It's not talking about this heart. It's talking about who you are inwardly. Your feelings, your thoughts, how many different ways could this play out? I'm feeling scared. The peace of God pushes that back. The peace of God says, I am bigger than any situation that can come against you. Then all of a sudden, you just get that I got peace. My thoughts aren't running wild. I'm not thinking about things. Noama. Noama. That's the mind. He says that the peace of God will guard us. He will guard our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. But he will also guard 
our mind or the place of reason. It controls snap decisions, erratic behavior. It, it guards against that. And when you have a peaceful heart and you have a peaceful mind, by the way, most survival experts say that's exactly what it takes to survive, is a peaceful mind and not let the circumstance overwhelm you so that you're able to think clearly about what you have to do. Most people in the wilderness get into trouble when they react irrationally or they, they make quick decisions and they make bad choices. And some of the, uh, the forest rangers have said in, in those moments that can actually lead somebody to death, a bad decision. As believers in the wilderness, let's not make bad decisions. Let's, go, let's stop and let's trust God. Let's trust him to take our circumstance and our situations and just give it to him. Give it to him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in the realm of Christ Jesus. This is what I want us to do this week, and I include myself in this as well. Number one, when difficult circumstances comes into your life and mine, the first response is prayer. Simply, whether you're driving, don't shut your eyes when you're driving, but uh, just talk to God. You, you, you can talk to God anytime. Maybe close your eyes if you're at the kitchen table, just Whenever a circumstance or situation comes, that is the first line of defense. And remember this phrase, God is bigger than my problem. Second, explain the problem to God even though he already knows it. Go in detail. Lord, I can't believe this. Bubba, 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 bubba. And I guess you sometimes we all do that, right? Bubba, 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 bubba. But don't tell somebody else, tell it to God. So you tell him exactly the situation. Yes, I am repeating my sermon. I was always told re repetition breeds retention. Hopefully, we'll all have it by this afternoon. Three, while you're praying at the end of it, Lord, Thank you. Thank you for listening to little old me. I want to praise you because I know that you are my Savior and my God. You are my creator. You are the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life. Father, I give you praise. By the way, God inhabits the praise of his people. Don't ever leave his presence without expressing your gratitude to him. It just shows that, God, I, you are awesome, and I'm giving this to you, and I'm going to trust you with it, and you are awesome, and I praise you. And I, You know, it's the right thing to do, and this is what he says. He says, uh, with, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Never forget to praise God and give him the glory and the honor. Remember, God inhabits the praise of his people. Number four. Allow God's 
peace to stand watch over 